Good morning to each of you. I have felt honored to be in your midst this morning. It's been a very precious time. I believe um, the Holy Spirit has ministered to us deeply. I, I believe more than most times, maybe more than any time I can recall, I sat there feeling like there is no need whatsoever for me to get up there and preach a sermon. <laughs> We've been fed, and I uh, honestly tremble lest I take away from what God's Spirit has already done in my heart and um, in our hearts. Thank you very much for all that has been shared here this morning, um, Moses and Joel, and your um, sharing the testimony of what God has done in your lives. It's it's beautiful. Um, story is powerful when it is real life and it is real work of God, <clears throat> especially. And um, the words you share with us too, Brother John, ministered to me a lot in more than one way. <clears throat> Not to take away, but to build just a little bit more than what Brother John shared with us. Shared how that we come to that point in, in, in life. And as he mentioned, maybe many different times, I think we have, all of us, many different times come to that point. Maybe numerous times before you made that initial decision to serve Christ. <clears throat> um. But I caught something from Mose and Joelle's testimony. Joelle, I believe if I had it right, she was 17 when she rededicated her life to the Lord. <clears throat> and uh, Mose was 19 when he dedicated his life to the Lord. Um, I'm sure he's had, I know I do, I have times where I have to commit in a new way and, and those things. But I didn't hear of a major rededication for Mose, but we did hear of that for Joelle. Our stories are all different. Maybe many different reasons for that. Um, some of us that made a clear step early, very young, maybe there's um, just about the way that we are and the way God made us in our development, just perhaps it's more likely you're going to need a major Another step, another level, another commitment later on in your later teens. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's be mindful of that. Maybe we'll come to that circle in another dimension or in a fuller way or in a clearer way later on. <clears throat> and um, maybe you're one of those that had made a commitment to Christ and maybe in your later teens or maybe in your 20s or 30s or 40s, but... Um, God is speaking to you about some significant step that you need to make. I know I have faced that numerous times in my journey. And it's been helpful for me to just humbly recognize that this is not a once and done thing. This is not a one-time humble myself at the foot of the cross. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
morning, I would like to um, continue and expand a bit on what I shared in January, I believe it was. <clears throat> the title that I had there was His Glory, Our Story, and I'd like to simply do part two. Um, <clears throat> a bit of a a, a overview of the whole of Scripture from this theme. <clears throat> Before we do that, could we stand for prayer? <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And through the power of both, you work in the lives of mankind. Thank you for um, the, the story of how you've, you've worked in, in lives here this morning. And that um, today has already been uh, an experience of, of you touching our hearts and calling us to consider who Jesus is to us. Who you are to us, God. <clears throat> Father, Help us, Lord, help us to be able to answer that question with some understanding from your perspective, God. Some fuller understanding, get a fuller answer as you speak to us again from your word and by your Holy Spirit. Place your finger by your spirit on our hearts and there's places in our lives that we need you to work. We need you to, to show us, to teach us, to change us, transform us into your image Oh, God, we need your spirit. Thank you for your word that reveals and gives your plan and gives your will and shows us how we can please you. Thank you, God, for that. But now, God, we pray for your spirit to empower us and to make these that specific to our lives. So be with us here in this time as we look at your word. Speak to me. Speak to each of us. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> You may be seated. His glory, our story. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 6, it says, um, Jesus is giving what we call the Lord's Prayer. He's giving a model prayer. Um, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, it says in verse 9, let's say it together. <clears throat> Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed. There's some ascribing of glory, honor, to God's name. Second verse, thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. These two verses, this part of the Lord's Prayer, holds the significant components of what we want to to look at as a theme. We would like to take a look at how that God's glory is the story of the whole of Scripture. And we today, we're not writing Scripture, we're not a part of Scripture, but we are still a part of that same story. It's ongoing in this generation, in my life, in my house, in my bed, in my job, in my desk, in my truck, my kitchen. The same story. Still ongoing because you see, this, this book, the end of this book, we have not arrived there yet. This story is continuing. We're in the New Testament. I'm not writing one of the epistles. I'm not Paul the Apostle. But I am writing the story, and you're writing the story of God's glory. His glory, our story. <clears throat> So here's the question. What if the story of your life were more about bringing God's glory to earth than about going to his glory in heaven? What if the story of your life was more about bringing God's glory to earth than about you being faithful, you hanging in there, you making it to the end of your life, you not denying Christ, you not walking back, you not following your carnal pursuits, uh, you getting to heaven. So, I very much appreciate what we heard from the testimony here this morning, and uh, specifically what Mo shared there about um, the role of the fear of God. You cannot separate these two, I don't believe. <clears throat> the fear of God is a powerful and important part of God's glory. If God was all love and all those wonderful things we like to think about, and there was no judgment side to it, it wouldn't be possible for God to be perfection, to be holiness, to be beauty. He has to bring some something uh, to come to bear when man does not uphold that. There has to be judgment. Um, and so that's part of God's perfection. It's part of his beauty. And... Um, God does, it's clear in scripture, he gives very graphic, very specific account, very specific warning of his judgment. How many have ever listened to the sermon, Ten Shekels in a Shirt? Okay, should we pass a few of the CDs out? <clears throat> Maybe we need a fresh um, exposure to that emphasis. And that's that's a little bit of what we're looking at here. There is a place, um, honestly, I've wrestled with that sermon and not... Um, and I don't think he was trying to be balanced, and that's okay. Uh, I just want to say real clear here at the beginning, there's a place for a focus in the Christian life, the Christian experience, in evangelism, um, for bringing to bear the judgment of God, and warning about the judgment of God, the fear of God in that sense, as, as Moses very well described. Um, <clears throat> it's also important and very foundational that... 
Our focus is the glory of God. <clears throat> I believe that we see that in Scripture. Um, we see that especially in the story. There's lots of different specific verses. We could look at proof texts. But I'd like to look at a, a bit more the overarching story. <clears throat> We've talked some about story uh, in, in part one. Uh, and how that our psyche is made up in such a way that we, we, we think best in stories. That's one of the reasons that a testimony is so powerful. We think best in stories. And, uh, we, we can enter into a story. We can identify with it. We can make parallels. And, um, we can, uh, Jesus used stories very, very much as we're very aware. And, uh, so stories are powerful. And just think of it now. You are living a story. You're living your story, but you are living a bigger story. We are aware, sometimes quite keenly, that we uh, identify with a neighborhood. You make up a part of what the quality of your neighborhood is. You make up a part of, um, you know, on all different levels. You make up a part. You are, along with someone else, living out the story of your marriage, of your family, the story of this congregation. We heard some about the story of a church uh, congregation and, 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 you know, harmony and, and, and here at Oasis and, and we all play a part in what, what's happening here. You know, we're going to reflect in two months from now and two years and 20 years. And this is, there's a story behind what our church experience has been. And you and I today are making up that story. <clears throat> That's a, a, a major level in which God designed in the New Testament era um, in a bigger way, um, even in the Old Testament era, God designed his church, God designed that his people uh, are one of the most powerful levels for displaying his glory. So think of your story and all those different levels, your community. Um, some people get into patriotism, they think about their, their country. Uh, but on all different levels, your story, you get the opportunity to bring the overarching story of all of history, past and future, that story, the story of God's glory, you get the opportunity to bring that into the details of your daily life. So what about what if the story of your life were more about bringing God's glory to earth than about you getting to his glory in heaven? What would that do? How would that affect your thinking? How would that affect your prayers? How would that affect your conversations? How would that affect the attitude when you wake up in the morning? How would that affect the attitude when you face trials and feel greatly misunderstood? <clears throat> His glory, our story. Don't you think God made himself a bit vulnerable to entrust us with his story? Think about that. Perhaps that was making himself vulnerable, um, much like, maybe more than, sending Jesus to the earth. We think of Jesus taking that huge step down and becoming a man and being obedient even to the death of the cross. But when God created man and he decided to put in him the ability to choose he was making himself vulnerable. The fact that tomorrow morning you wake up and you can choose your attitude, you can choose your motives, you can choose the good things, 
the bad things, God is trusting you. In the same way. Psalm 67, verse 3. Psalm 67, verse 3. says, Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. I'd like to look at this in two ways. I don't know exactly how it renders in the original Hebrew and um, maybe I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but I, I think this is in keeping with the tenor of the psalm. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Let's look at two different levels of that praise. Two different levels of um, of the, when he says people. The people. Beloved, I believe we are the accepted and the beloved. We are the people. In a fuller, more beautiful sense, being the church, being the people means being the church in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, this was written, he didn't have all that clear. It wasn't all uh, worked out. The church was not instituted in the way it is in this, in this dispensation. However, the people of God was clear. God had already been working for many generations in developing this people, the people of Israel. It was clear. The people. These are the people of God. We can see how that the Pharisees just kind of had that one level and that was it, right? We are the people. We are Abraham's seed. But they didn't get the second people. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people. That means every human being. That means every nationality, every race, every language, every culture, Every kindred, every tribe, it says in Revelations, every uh, dialect, every neighborhood, uh, every every people group. God's plan, God's desire, God's passion is that every people, every person in every people group would praise him. Would make his, would become a part of his glory, the story of his glory. <clears throat> What if the story of your life were more about bringing God's glory to earth than going to his glory in heaven? That's why there in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth. Just like it's done in heaven. So we're going to get to go see someday Directly, how it's done in heaven. His perfect will carried out. All of his creatures worshiping him in purity. No, no, no straying motive. Everything in order. Everything clean, perfect, pure. No flesh that distracts. We're going to see that someday, but the prayer that Jesus gives us as the model prayer, um, I think the model life, the model purpose, the way we should think, the way we can live, the way we can pray, the way we can be motivated, is that you and I, here on this earth, we are designed to bring that, all those glories, to earth. 
That's something I'm going to miss out on when I get to heaven. That's one thing I won't be able to do when I get to heaven. So think about that. It's good to long for heaven. It's good to long to be in his perfect presence. But think about it that some, when that happens, you will miss this chance. You have the chance now. Take it while you have it. Amen? But you will miss that chance. And I don't know how God's going to you know, work these things out so we won't have any tears in heaven if we if we, if we have memory or not because if I had be able to remember how things on earth, I think I'd have some tears in heaven. So I don't know how all that works. But perhaps we'll reflect back and we'll wish we would have had a keener sense of not missing the chance while we're on earth. And let's break that down a little bit. Let's think about um, what happened in your last week. What happened in your conversations? What happened in your responsibilities? You have missed the chance to bring the kingdom of heaven Maybe you took the chance then, but today you no longer have the chance to bring the kingdom of heaven, his will to be done in earth, in that conversation, in that responsibility, in that task. You had the chance then, you don't have it today. And of course, that can help us to be motivated and focused for tomorrow. Amen? His glory, our story. So in simple words, I want us to be conscious that uh, we are a greater purpose than getting to the end and to be faithful and make it to heaven. The greater purpose than to repent and to surrender your life to Christ so that you don't have to face that fearful judgment. It's a part of the purpose, but the greater overarching purpose I like to propose is take every opportunity to bring his will to be done in earth. Your story is part of his story, the, the story of his glory. Here in Psalm 67, we see um, a people calling all peoples, all groups of people worldwide, all, all of humanity to praise and fear him. I want to read the whole psalm again. I know I read it last time. I'm going to do a little bit of review here. <clears throat> God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Stop and think about that, he says. Selah. That thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. He's saying this with confidence. You will do this. Stop and think about that. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then... Shall the earth yield her increase and God, even our own God, then he will bless us. There's a cyclic blessing here. There is a blessing that is reserved for when through our lives others are influenced. Yea, all of mankind is influenced to praise him. Verse 7, God shall bless us. Expanding, what is this blessing about? God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. 
So this kind of giving glory to God, this kind of living out, bringing his will to be done, his glory to bear in our lives, in the part of the story that we are writing, this overarching scheme of all history, past and future, has to do this glory, this glorifying God, this ascribing honor to his name, not just the word or the title, but his reputation. All of these things, this last word in this psalm says fear. There's some fear involved here. So we, again, come back to that component that we heard in the testimony this morning. There's some fear of God. And um, it can be a fear of judgment, but I think that fear of God goes broader than that. A fear. A fear of uh, a, a reverential fear. A respect. Uh, the kind of thing that made Isaiah throw himself, his face on the on the ground. And say, woe is me, for I am undone. When he saw a revelation of God's glory. And we'll see some more examples of that. Fear of God. And honor to God. So that is um, there in Psalm. We already looked at Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to go there again. Genesis chapter 12, here we see this, um, for the first time, it coming this clearly, where God is blessing um, his people, The here in this case, the father of the first coming together of his people, um, we call him the father of faith, Abraham, he is, it's clear here how that this blessing is for the bigger purpose of the overarching story of his glory. So we kind of have the beginning here in Genesis. Um, <clears throat> now the Lord God said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, he went and obeyed God, not knowing where he's going. I believe it's in a different sense. But I believe in a sense, these words apply very much to each of us. God has blessed you so that all the nations of the world can be blessed. Is God going to make of you a great nation? Are you going to have Isaac and Jacob and through Jacob, the 12 fathers of Israel? No. Um, is it through your, 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 the, the, your descendants that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come into the world? No. So in that sense, no. But in a sense, I believe these words very much apply to you and I. Every blessing that God gives is so that the world may receive a blessing. <clears throat> That we have as the beginning of this story of God's glory. Specifically, the God's glory given in order to bless all the world. Um, we have that continuing there in Psalms and expanding uh, on in through the New Testament with the church age. And in Revelation, I'm going to read chapter 7. I will probably go to these uh, passages a few different times. 
I, I just feel like they kind of encapsulate some of the, the theme that we must keep in view. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 12. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God. Here we have the culmination. We are still in the middle here. With the Lord's Prayer. With the psalmist David, bless us, your kingdom come to earth, your will be done here in earth, just as it is in heaven. Someday we're going to get there. And if we truly have this as our focus, his will being done here on earth, yes, someday we will go see his glory in heaven. This is what we're going to see. We're going to see the result of our calling To use the blessings that God has given us. To use this great salvation. This indescribable Jesus that we have been blessed with. What are we going to do with him? Who is he to us? It's all for this. That all the peoples would bless God. All the kindreds. All the people. All the tongues. And this is not just um, stated as a goal. This is stated as a fact. This is stated as something that's done. This is stated as, as a, a preview into history. Preview into uh, what is coming. This weekend, it's, it's like others have said, it's, we can fight the battles as though we've already won the war. And yet the battles are still needing to be fought because it's through these battles the war will be won. So it's through our daily lives that we will see, we will usher in this reality. <clears throat> I'd like to just pay a little bit of attention here. They cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God. I've often puzzled over those words. That's going to be our theme in eternity with all the peoples of the earth. Salvation to our God. So I get salvation or he gets salvation. Do we receive salvation or does our God receive salvation? Or do we give it back to him? Salvation to our God. Salvation to our God. Well, um, the ESV says this way, salvation belongs to our God. Well, the question remains, am I the one that gets it or does he get it? Uh, all of our Swahili versions say, um, you have Salvation, God, you have salvation. <clears throat> um, I believe that it is giving honor to where honor is due. This plan of salvation, it was God's idea. It wasn't mine. This reality of salvation, this this ability to walk with God, to commune with God, to, to have connection with God, to be able to please Him, uh, removal, removal of our sin and our sin nature and turning away from God and the ability to pursue after God and to follow Him, all of that 
it does belong to him. It comes from him. Um, my initial experience with that, my ongoing experience with that, it relies on him. Amen? Whenever I think it relies on me, then I'm off track further than ever before. <clears throat> and we see how that the people of Israel, many, many times, they got a bit um, infatuated with what they thought was the value of themselves. They got a bit um, uh, preoccupied with what they thought was their own worth. And um, <clears throat> Jesus, I'm sorry, God, uh, numerous times reminded them, you know, I'm not getting rid of these, uh, I'm not casting these other nations out of Canaan because you're something special or because you're a great number of people or of any value that you have. I want to try to look at some of those. <clears throat> salvation to our God. Salvation that belongs to him. <clears throat> he has that salvation. And I think that's it typified well there in the scene, Revelations, where they, they, they bow, they cast themselves at the foot of the throne. They take off their... their, their um, uh, th- um, crowns take off their crowns and cast them amen so the honor that god gives to us we give back to him <clears throat> belongs to him let's go now and uh, look at um <clears throat> just do a little more deeper dive here and <clears throat> we looked at abraham that's kind of where we we stopped last time, and we looked at how that uh, he built an altar uh, from time to time and place to place where he went. It was a sign of giving worship to God, stone altars that lasted through many generations. I believe we have history that shows us that. It was worship. He was giving honor to God, the God, the creator God, in the midst of uh, villages and tribes and people for many miles around that were full of idolatry and had many different altars, many different gods. And um, that was powerful. He was giving that worship. <clears throat> we see how that it was also God uh, had him identified as the man that he can use because in Genesis 18, he will uh, command his children after me. It was very dependent on his ability to pass on to the coming generations, <clears throat> the faith, so that he could truly be the father of the faith and the father of his uh, special people. I want to go down and look at Exodus. <clears throat> Let's look at the Exodus. Exodus chapter 9, verse 13. How did God get glory to himself from his people in the Exodus? What if this was more about bringing God's glory to earth than about getting these God's people to heaven? <clears throat> a people which is to bless all peoples, a people which calls all peoples to praise and fear him, and a people which their revelation ultimately becomes all peoples unified in worship. <clears throat> so how does this work out in Exodus? Um, let's look at chapter 9, verse 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve thee, serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart. Interesting wording. I often don't stop to take notice of that wording. God is telling um, 
Pharaoh up front. I don't think he says how many, but he clearly implies that it's it's multiple and many of them. I am going to send many plagues on you, and these are plagues upon your heart. I'm gonna I'm gonna tear down the idols, the things that you worship, Pharaoh. Your whole worship structure, these different things that you worship, I will show how much of a, how, how, um, how physical and how much of a menace they can be to you. And upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. That's the reason, Pharaoh. That's the reason I'm going to do this. I simply want you to get a message. I want you to know something. There is no one like me. No frog, no lice. No locust, no river Nile, none of these gods are like me. For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. I'm going to destroy you, Pharaoh. I don't think he got the point. I don't think he realized what he's messing with here, how serious this is. But uh, he was being pretty upfront. There was no secrets going on here. And in very deed for this cause, I have raised thee up. The only reason that I made you powerful enough to be king of this historical uh nation of Egypt is to show you my power, to show not only you my power, but to show in thee, he says, my power. I'm going to make a a showcase out of you to all of the world. And that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. So a king is pretty conscious of the earth watching him, especially if it's the president of the United States or if it's the king of Egypt. But from God's scheme of things, do you think that your life really is anything less on the stage? I don't think so. <clears throat> My name may be declared throughout all the earth through you, Pharaoh. <clears throat> Let's go to Isaiah chapter 63 quickly. I'm going to turn there and just read you. Uh, something that applies here to the Exodus. Verse 11. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. That's chapter 62. Verse 11 of 63. Then he remembered the days of old Moses and his people saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them, and get this part, to make himself an everlasting name. That's the reason. That led them through the deep as an horse in the wilderness that they should not stumble. As a beast goeth down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord calls him to rest. So didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. So what if, instead of redeeming the people of Israel, it was that. But what if more than redeeming the people of Israel so that they can be preserved and so they can go to God's glory in heaven, what if this was about bringing God's glory to earth, to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to the stage of the world? Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 9. And ten, and did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard us their cry by the Red Sea, and showed signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, 
and on all his servants and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. So we're seeing different places in scriptures. Other prophets talk, I mean, talking many generations later. It was very clear to them what God was doing here. So that's, that's a point we get when we look at Nehemiah and uh, we look at Isaiah. The Israelites had crystal clear. This is what it was all about. <clears throat> Exodus 18. <clears throat> Chapter 1, we have where uh, Moses in the wilderness meets Jethro. After they come through the Red Sea. And... Um, Verse 1 here of Exodus 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. I'm sorry, that's in the wrong place. Exodus 18. <clears throat> when Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. I'm just going to stop right there. I just want to note, he heard of what God had done for Israel and his people, and bringing them out of Egypt. So I was going to uh, look it up. I didn't. Maybe someone could tell me how far was Midian from the Red Sea crossing. Anyone ever check that out? We're talking about this news had spread. And he traveled from Midian, bringing his daughter, which would be Moses' wife, to meet him. If you read down through, you'll get that. And um, they traveled to meet up after this event. They went through the Red Sea. They had heard. It wasn't through WhatsApp. It wasn't through any kind of electronic device. News traveled directly by someone's word, mouth to mouth. Someone traveled. Someone walked. Someone told his neighbor who put it on the camel train. This went. It was on stage, literally, for the world. <clears throat> The purpose, God wanted to bring his glory to earth. Let's look at the conquest um, of the people of Israel and taking over the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5. <clears throat> Here we have um, Moses speaking to the people of Israel. God speaking through Moses. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land, but for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, it's good to have a high and lofty thought as you're going through your day tomorrow. That uh, God has an eternal purpose in what I'm doing here. But don't get lofty in thinking it's because you're something special. People of Israel struggle with that. So God had to tell them. No, 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 I'm just using you. I have to accomplish my purposes. I have to judge these Canaanites. I must admit, through all my growing up years, I just wrestled with how, just because God wanted to give them the land, how could he be so cruel to and just annihilate these tribes? 
But maybe it was the other way around a little bit. Maybe God had to because of his beauty, his holiness, his, his justice. He had to bring judgment. Uh, I think that comes clear here. Uh, let's look at Genesis 15, 16. When God was making covenant with Abraham, with Abram, that point. Genesis 15, 16. He says something very interesting. We sometimes miss. Um, he's giving a, a peek into the future of his descendants and how that they are going to be uh, held in, in bondage in a strange land. And then in verse 16, it says, But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. So this is obviously when uh, Abram was there in the land of promise. And he had said, you know, look at the, uh, as far as you can, east to west, north, south. This land I will give to you. And uh, he's saying to him, um, they're going to go into a strange land. But after four generations, they're going to come back. Why those four generations? Why those hundreds of years? Um, why why that, that, that period of time, I should say? Uh, it says, because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God knows the future. I'm going to need to bring judgment on them. And it will align with the time when we need to make space for the people of Israel. But it's not yet justice. Their iniquity is not yet full. God is justice. And he brings glory to his name. He honors his name through his justice. So that's made very clear here. Um, the timing was important. God was just in how he moved to those things. He was bringing glory to his name. <clears throat> Judges 1, 7 points to that a bit as well. Judges chapter 1, verse 7. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table. As I have done, so God hath requited me, requited me, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. So here we have a heathen king himself with his own mouth declaring that he is justly receiving God's judgment. Isn't that fascinating? He's saying it himself this is in the context of the people of israel carrying out god's will there in clearing the land of canaan <clears throat> let's look specifically at demolishing the the idols demolishing the false worship deuteronomy uh chapter four let's go to deuteronomy chapter four verse 15 Verse 15. If we read on down uh, to verse 24, I'm going to just skim over the first part here. Verse 14, 15. Um, he's, God is warning them to, not, uh, to be very careful. They don't take after the idol worship of the, the tribes of Canaan. Verse 20, but the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance. God wanted for himself a people, as ye are this day. 
Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan, that I should not go in unto that good land, which the Lord thy God, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Um, I'm not going to go across, Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, verse 22, but I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but you shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed, Moses is warning them, take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. Verse 24. For you must be very careful you don't make any graven images, because the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. He is jealous of your worship. He is jealous that the credit does not go to the wrong place. Chapter 6. Verse 13, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after the gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. If you go to chapter 7, you have more of the same. I'm just going to break in here. Uh, verse 5. But sh- thus shall ye deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven, graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. You weren't a great army. You weren't some big uh, group that deserves for this special attention, this choosing. Verse 8, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. So there we have the second time. He's referring to his oath, to his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> we'll look yet at Joshua. This was, this was Moses, the context of Moses exhorting the people to be faithful and for to keep their, their motive uh, in the right place. But Joshua does the same. If you go to Joshua chapter 23, verse 7. <clears throat> that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. Um, <clears throat> take good heed unto yourselves, verse 11, that ye love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them and they to you. Know for, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. There'll be snares to you if you begin to follow after their gods. So Joshua is exhorting them in the same way. God's purpose was to display his glory in their part of God's story. <clears throat> Look at the temple. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Verse 5. The temple and God's purpose for this temple. (laughs) 
unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither shalt thou come. You shall bring your burnt offerings, and he goes on to describe this place that God is preparing for his, to put, uh, for, for the temple. He describes it as the place to put his name there. To put his name there. Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God didn't want to just meet them. He wanted to dwell among them. He wanted his presence to be constant. Second Chronicles six eighteen. Second Chronicles chapter 6. This is in Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple. Now then, O Lord, God of Israel, let thy word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. Verse 18, but will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built? First Kings First Kings chapter 8, verse 41. Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not among of thy people, that is not of thy people, this is still in the same prayer of dedication, Solomon prayed, uh, concerning a stranger, someone who is not of your people, he makes it very clear, someone who is not an Israelite, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake. He was presuming Maybe already seeing to a large extent how that God's uh, reputation, I mean, even the glory of, of the leadership of Solomon was already going forth to lands far away. And God was using Solomon and now ultimately the temple as a stage for his glory. When this stranger, this people God using for all the peoples, someone comes from one of those other strange people groups. He comes for thy namesake, he says. For they shall hear of thy great name and of thy strong hand and of thy stretched out arm when he shall come and pray toward this house. Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name. To fear thee as do thy people Israel, that they may know that this, that this house which I have builded is called by thy name. Again and again and again he says it. Again and again and again he emphasizes that this is for all people. He specifies. As I was just reviewing these verses this morning and I was pondering it, tears came to my eyes. As I tried to picture, okay, what if any church, any church group would would literally have this kind of specific emphasis that Solomon had here in dedicating this temple. We believe that we as a church are the temple of God. Is that right? What if we would look at that at our? What if we get some 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 instruction 
from this kind of purpose that Solomon had for the temple. We would have that as our sense of purpose. Vision statement, mission statement. These people have these kinds of things. What if in reality, this, this was what we were about? There's a lot you can ponder in those verses. We don't have enough time to do that this morning. <clears throat> so we looked at the Exodus, looked at the, con- at the conquest, we looked at the temple. I think I'm going to um, leave off there in that point in the history of this story of God's glory and um, just come back again and have us think a bit about our lives and as we think of the grand narrative of scripture and narrative that is not scripture but ongoing in the thousands of years since this written word was put together we're still living in this narrative we haven't yet reached revelations so what about you and me. Is there something specific that you can do? I pondered that for my own life and um, a couple brothers that I, I share with a bit more just uh, for accountability and my walk with God. I've talked some about um, trying to, to um, make a point to just stop. And consider to just stop and worship. In the middle of my life, middle of my day, try to integrate a bit more rather than, than have a block of time maybe in the morning or at night. Um, and not not saying completely in place of that, but um, rather than expecting the the the, the sense of um, uh, spirituality and uh, making my Christian life relative to my practical life. Just stop in the middle of my day and to worship. I feel God has much to teach me about worship. But that is the theme of the story that I'm living out. What if the story of my life was more about bringing God's glory to earth than about going to his glory in heaven? So what could you do? You can take these as assignments or you can take them as ideas. It's up to you. Here's three things. Here's three things that you could do. In keeping with this theme of scripture and narrative which we continue to be a part of. Here's three things. Try to get a little practical. What if you would take twice a day as much as possible at a random time. Some of your days are probably more scheduled, more structured than mine. Some of your days may be kind of the same. If you're at 12 o'clock, you're always doing the same thing every day or 10 o'clock, I don't know. But try to look for a random time. And what if you would be reminded to just pause twice a day? Literally five seconds could be enough. And just say, God... I'm doing this for you, God. You can say it out loud. You can say it under your breath. 
You can say it in your heart. Do, 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 do. My alarm goes off. Oh, yeah. Turn off that alarm. This dish I'm wiping, I'm doing it for you, God. It's a little bit of a test. If you're doing something that you know isn't the best, of course, that's going to come a little bit more sharply to your awareness. But if you're doing something that needs to be done, it's a responsibility. It's simply what you do. It's your routine. It's, it's, it's your work. It's your job. It's your whatever it is. God, I'm doing this for you. What if you just do that twice a day? What if once a day you would try to build into your routine to have five minutes, just five minutes of just pure worship? That's it. You have your prayer requests, you have your chapter you read, whatever you're doing. It could be a part of that time. It could be a different time. But what if you just have five minutes and do everything in your power to make those five minutes as undistracted as possible, free from complaints, free from stresses, free from worries, free from responsibilities, free from requests, free from anyone else. And it would be just giving thanks, giving praise, focusing your heart, your mind, on giving glory to God. What if you would do that once a day? Every day. For just this next week. For just this next week. If it's not helpful, pitch it. You're not going to commit to something for this next year. You're not going to say, this is the only way to be spiritual. This is the only way to do my Christian life. This is, no, no, no. If it starts becoming that, maybe it's not worth it. But just this next week, if you can set a block of time and say, you know what? For this next week, I can do this. I can remind myself. I can plan to do this. I am going to. And <clears throat> a couple of tips that can help with, with that, that being as focused as possible. Something as simple as memorize a song. And then sing that. Maybe the same song. Maybe the same words. I don't usually use a prayer book. But there can be some benefit in that. And this is one way you maybe get it. Especially if it's memorized. And if it's one that's particularly meaningful to you and it has something to do with worship and giving praise to God, just memorize that psalm. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe there's one you already have. Maybe there's a new one you want to learn. Use that. And just do it every day. For one week. <clears throat> See if that is something that you might consider to be an asset. What if each of us would, every week for this next month, just once in a week, speak with a new person specifically to point them towards God's glory in one way or another? Maybe you'll challenge them about their soul. Maybe not directly, but that would be your that would be your goal. That is clear to you what you're doing, and it becomes clear to that person what you're doing. You are just simply trying to point them to who God is. I'd love to hear lots of creative ideas on how we can do that. What if we could do that just once a week, just for this next month? That's only four encounters, but each one a new person. Maybe you can do it in your work week. 
maybe you have to make a point to stop, plan a time, go find someone. What if our lives were more about bringing God's glory to earth? Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. May God bless you.